Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York, and I just tested positive for Rona this morning. But luckily, we're doing this interview over Zoom, so our guests can say healthy and very far away from me. <laughs> but as the subject of this podcast said, I believe on Shooter Jennings' uh, album, Black Ribbons, take care of yourselves and each other. Uh, and that subject is Stephen King. Our guests today are Jamie Tinker and Jennifer Miller, the owners of SK Tours in Bangor, Maine. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Welcome, welcome. I was fortunate enough to take your tour uh, a couple weeks back. I was bopping around New England, visiting a friend in New Hampshire I ain't seen in about 20 years. And my lady and I said, well, let's go to Stephen King country and see what's doing. And I hopped on the Google Docs and found your, your lovely tour. And I'm like, we have to do this. Uh, and I recommend it to everybody. So just out of curiosity, before we, we dive in deep, would you say that your love of horror started with King or did it start somewhere else? For me, it started with with Stephen King. Uh, my parents always wanted me a, me to be a reader, but it, it never really took until I read The Eyes of the Dragon, and that caught me. So I was a fantasy kid. Then I read The Talisman, another fantasy novel, and then I read The Shining, and that was it. I I always loved horror as a little kid, and um, I grew up here. Jamie grew up here, and it made a lot of sense to just pick up the local author's writings. And apparently, you know, I was a little kid and I'm like, well, people think this guy's a big deal, whatever. He's just down the street, but I'll, I'll read it, you know? And um, I started with um, The Shining and The Night Shift Collection. I was a, when I used to babysit for a neighbor, if I didn't want to fall asleep at night, I could just read a couple of short stories and it would keep me awake and alert while I waited for, you know, mom to come home. Um, but yeah, it just uh, made sense to read the books of the guy that lives down the street. I was about to say, yeah, reading some of those stories will keep you up and in a karate stance, ready for anything that might go bump in the night. <laughs> um, for me, it, it definitely started with the films in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, I didn't really like reading uh, anything that wasn't comic books as a kid. Uh, because I was forced to. It was assigned to me in school. And if you remove me having an option, I kind of brush away from it. But um, when, and coincidentally, I, I, I have it next to me. When, when, when King started putting out the Green Mile in these little digest yes. forms, because yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a good place to start with prose fiction. Because some of his, his tomes, they can they can kill a large pest that comes into your house. It can be intimidating to pick up something that big. So that that was a good start. And then it was on and popping. So what what's it like being in the town where arguably the most famous writer of all time is, as you say, just the guy down the street, just a normal human going about his day walking around seeing stuff and then putting it in books that later get adapted to films and then become global 
I have took it for granted forever. Um, I'm Naomi's age and my brother and sister and Jamie are uh, Joe and Owen's age. And it was not uncommon to see Stephen at any time walking down Hammond Street or coming into Fairmount Market where I made pizza. Um, every single person in town has Stephen King's story. And I think we love the family and we appreciate uh, what they've done for us. Uh, but I also think that people around here are I think we take a sort of pride in not being easily impressed. I think we like to be cavalier about it. You see him, you say, hey, Steve, and you keep going. I, I think we love how, I don't know, what would you say, how comfortable he seems to feel here when he's here. He's not here much anymore, honestly. Um, I, I, I think we love giving him the space he deserves. I, I can certainly agree with that. My day job is... Uh set dressing and props for TV shows and movies and actors, any kind of celebrity. They're just regular people going about their day. Uh, I usually see them at work, but you know, they're, 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 they're just folks. And I can understand uh, the mentality of like, don't, don't, don't bother them. <laughs> you know, be polite, be cordial. Yeah. You, you don't need to fanboy out uh, or, or as I like to do, uh, in Queens, New York, we do the the silent upward head nod of, and and, and that's our greeting. That's our. Uh, I have to remember when I go traveling. It's like no, outside of Queens, people actually say good morning and make eye contact, right? So, where in Queens are you from? I'm from Queens Village, uh, which is Western Queens, almost at the Nassau County Long Island border. So I like to say it's 30 minutes from everything. 30 minutes, <laughs> well, in theory, traffic will affect things. So I can take the train into Manhattan in roughly 30 minutes. I can go see my Long Island friends in roughly 30 minutes. And it's kind of perfect for me. <laughs> I lived in uh, Astoria for ah, almost yes. 20 years. Loved, loved, loved it. Yes. So that's cool to hear. There's a, there's a lot of stages and production work. Uh, around Kaufman Studios, so yep. I'm very familiar there. And if you ever go for a little walk down uh, memory lane, check out the Museum of the Moving Image, which yep. is really funky. Uh, and that's a free plug for them. One of these days I'll get paid for something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, back to uh, my introduction to King through the movies. Just out of curiosity, so, since you've, you've, you've seen him as the man about town, do you have a favorite Stephen King appearance on film or TV? Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to I, ask atypical questions. Well, I've got I've got two then. Uh, the first is Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill from Creepshow, only because he was a complete clown on purpose, and it was so fun to watch. And I'll, I'll watch it anytime I can. But my, uh, my it's one of the few where he's actually you know acting <laughs> yeah yeah well R romero told him to be like a cartoon character and he absolutely nailed it in that regards another one meteor is like, yeah, yeah meteor shit uh, i like um i like his cameo in mr mercedes where he's a corpse at the dinner counter as a short order cook well, i gotta watch that again then mr mercedes I season one is probably the best tv adaption in a decade it's a peacock I, oh, it is on Peacock. I love the music in that so much. 
and I only watched the first season. The I don't remember what network it was airing on, but I didn't have it. I just picked up wow. the DVD set for my lady's mom. Like you like Stephen King, and we both enjoyed the book. Here you go. Yeah. So that's that's going in, on. The in list. season in season one, Brady Hartsfield is in a he's in a diner. He's imagining everybody dead in the diner, and Steve is a corpse in the diner at the counter. It's a it's a fun. I like it. What about you, Jennifer? Any favorites that stand out to you? I loved him in Maximum Overdrive. Honey, the ATM called me an asshole. I loved him in It Chapter Two as the antique store. Yeah. And I loved him in Sons of Anarchy. Yes. <laughs> Not one of his adaptations, but yeah. Nope. Reminding me of that. That's another one where he's he's actually acting as the, yep. the cleaner. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, I um, saw that. I went, oh, that's our man. Look, look yeah. I get so excited for him. Like, you know, he's like my cousin or something. that <laughs> got a shot on, you know, Hollywood or something. Uh, one of my favorites I watched for the first time recently, and it reminded me a lot of uh, Creepshow, his appearance with Tabitha in Knight Riders, the George oh, Romero movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd never seen it before. It was streaming. I'm like, let me, let me watch this. I'm due. And uh, not only was Tom Savini fine back in the day, it's like, oh, this is this, this is very uh, yokel, very much like Jordy in Creepshow, uh, yeah. perhaps before he found that meteor. I think so. <laughs> and if any of our listeners haven't watched that, go check it out. It's a good time. It's, it's Robin Hood on motorcycles. <laughs> uh, so... Um, on the day that I took this tour, it was raining. And I feel that enhanced the experience very much, particularly because in it tying into that opening of it and just envisioning uh, Georgie sailing his boat down the street and then going to that sewer grate and seeing that it's circular as opposed to rectangular as it's always depicted because it works better for film and jamie um you said that you've seen a lot of proposals that's <laughs> we we do uh we do probably a dozen proposals a year on the tour uh they're usually private tours but sometimes they're not what will happen is a guy or gal will get on a knee and like they're they're fussing with the pennywise mask because i put a mask and a hand there in the storm drain the guy or gal will get on a knee and mess with the mask and then the hand goes back to the back pocket and, and here comes a ring and there goes my tour the whole tour is <laughs> over at that point we've uh, had we've had proposals at the standpipe mm -hmm. we've had proposals in front of steve's house mm -hmm. and one of the last couples that proposed at the storm drain has asked us to marry them in january uh, so I'm, I'm guessing you're uh, ordained in that to perform weddings um i'm a notary I think right. I can do it. Well, we have to find out. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Um, I, upon seeing that mask in hand, uh, had to respond to the figure that's haunted my nightmares uh, since uh, 1990 uh, by flipping it off. So I asked, like, you know, have you ever seen anyone give Pennywise the finger? And he said, nah. So I'm like, number one in a field of one. That's how you stay on top. That's right. <laughs> um. So, so. What's it like for you when you when you're you're reading 
these stories set in Derry, which Bangor is based on. And what may have been something mundane previously is now something that induces goosebumps. Uh, like, like how when I saw the real Paul Bunyan statue, I'm like, oh, it's probably unassuming if you haven't read that book. <laughs> uh, for me, it's always been the standpipe because I live right next to it. Uh, it was just a thing. And when I was a kid, I didn't understand it was the only one there is in America. It's just a great big old tower full of water. And it was always mundane until Steve uh, put dead children in it. And then uh, and he, he kind of got me. And I was, I was afraid of the dark for years at that stupid thing. When I read it, honestly, I didn't understand he was describing Bangor. Um, so it was a great horror read. I loved the story. I was just able to enjoy the story. Now, when I read anything based in Derry, it's hard to just enjoy the story for the story's sake, because every time I read a location that I know what he's talking about, I'm getting out my highlighter and I'm taking notes. So every book becomes a textbook now. And it's it's harder to just fly through and get immersed in it because I'm going, oh, my gosh, Duddits and Dreamcatcher went to Mary Snow School. Mary Snow School's on Broadway. So I'm making notes instead of just reading the book. So and that likely ties in to your business now. Um, how did it come about? Uh, I, and I kind of know the answer from having been on the tour for uh, this tour to, you know, take part and become a business and get fans from, I'm assuming, globally, because horror fans will make the pilgrimage to see the real town and hear the unexpected stories that come with it. So my father owned a bookstore called Bet's Bookstore, and it was where Steve did his second ever book signing in history for Carrie. And my dad met Steve at that signing, and you know, years later he bought Bet's Bookstore, uh, not because he was a King fan, just because he wanted to own his own business and be his own boss. And he owned Bet's Bookstore from 1990 uh, for about 20 years after that. And he would give a version of this tour to people coming to visit Bangor. And groups like the Schemers would come and they do the little King thing here. My dad would give them a tour. And the university did a little weekend uh, symposium on teaching King. And dad gave tours to all of them. So he kind of developed the tour over time as a bookstore owner. Then he sold Bet's Bookstore, which is, which is still online. And they still sell collectibles online. Uh, so he, he sold bets. He took a few, probably two, three years off. And then he, it became obvious there was still a desire for this tour and that he should be the guy doing it. So he started SK Tours 13 years ago. <laughs> I, 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 I like that it, it, it called to him. It's like, this needs to exist and I'm the person to do it. <laughs> well, some other entity tried. They, they tried. They tried to develop a tour. My father gave a, a group of people a version of the script because he thought it was out of the king business when he sold the store. And they they tried to do it, but they didn't do it enough. And they weren't king fans. They were just trying to give a king tour. So the king fans on the tour eviscerated the guides that couldn't, you know, answer the questions and talk about the details and nerd out like they wanted to. So... 
it uh, it didn't go well. Yeah. So it ended back in my father's lap, and it was my mother who convinced him to start SK Tours. It's always the wives. It's always the wives. Well, we 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 gotta we gotta give it up the 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 ladies that uh, are kind enough to love us and care for us and give us that that nudge that we need. Um, I thank them. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's 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 like cooking. The love has to be there. If you've ever eaten by some something made by someone who's pissed off when they make it, it's horrible. Yeah. But if you get someone that's cooking, being in a restaurant or at some gathering that they've you know got some music playing and they're dancing around as they stir or chop or whatever, that makes all the difference. And and love for what you do, a real passion for it, certainly is that extra bit of hot sauce that I crave. <laughs> um, another aspect of your tour that I like, as I said, with the rain. Uh, was your concern for safety? Because I'm guessing, uh, like these people that you know had the tour previous to your dad, it would have come off as we don't want anyone to get hurt and get sued. Whereas with you, I felt like you actually cared. You were apologetic that we couldn't see and get out in the cemetery where Pet Cemetery was shot. But it's also like, no, we're all friends for these couple of hours. And we're going to look out for each other. So again, I thank you for that. Um, you mentioned with Pet Cemetery being shot in Maine, uh, were you present at the time of the filming? Were you in town? That was uh, well. We were we were we were in school. Mm. <laughs> we were in school. Uh, uh, my father wasn't was in town, but uh, but yeah, we were. My father wasn't in the King business back then. So uh, Pet Cemetery actually kind of predates our time in the King business, uh, which is you know pretty amazing. Did you hear any tales of uh, what occurred when filming? Because uh, when when an area that doesn't you want get me to get a lot of what do you want, babe? No, I, actually, I was thinking about the book, the movie. Uh, yeah, my dad was around for the movie. Uh, I was thinking about the book, but in the movie, I was gone in the Navy. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so my dad was all over that thing. Uh, and one of the one of the big one of the funny stories about that, which which uh, is your question, uh, they made a life size like chest up uh, yeah. cast of Fred Gwynn mm -hmm. uh, for Gage to you know, bite into him and with a big cut in his face and everything. And uh, one of the locations they filmed was at the armory here locally. And uh, one day uh, the security guards were just doing their rounds in the thing. They walk into the armory and they see this dead old guy with his face cut up and his neck ripped out and they ran for it and called the police. <laughs> That checks out. Because uh, again, like I said, I know from the day job, uh, a place that doesn't get a lot of filming, you get the combination of curiosity of like Hollywood, quote unquote, coming into town and also aggravation at the disruption of a bunch of unshaven near-do-wells like myself uh, 
coming in with a with a drive to get the job done. I can only imagine how many wooden planks were put down in that cemetery to preserve the lawn because moving equipment is heavy and, and we all wear boots and things like that. And you don't want someone trouncing over hallowed ground. Uh, so again, out of curiosity, has there ever been any, outside of the fiction, any real spooky or paranormal things in Bangor that, you know, could be your mind playing tricks on you because of the entertainment you're ingesting? Or, you know, a prankster just tying a balloon to a sewer grate and <laughs> walking away <laughs> that you've well, encountered in your time there? Um, I have never encountered anything supernatural, um, but I think it's because I'm I'm pretty oblivious. I'm, you know, just walking around constantly thinking about in my head. Um, I know that the Thomas Hill house is haunted. Mm -hmm. uh, the standpipe is said to be haunted. Um, have you ever experienced the, uh, supernatural stuff? The children's home is supposed to be haunted. Yep. The yep. children's That's house be behind us. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's more safe to say that I've just scared the wits out of myself because I'm a huge scaredy cat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll hear a thing in the night and I'll run for it. I don't even mess around to check out what it is. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't think I've had anything like supernatural really get me. I've I've scared myself a bunch of times. But Bangor, for all its history as an old town, uh, doesn't have a lot of ghost stories. There is a there's a great new tour business locally called Bangor by Foot, and he's developing a kind of a uh, a tour about old stuff in Bangor. And the Historical Society also does a haunted Bangor tour. Uh, the, the theater company, Penobscot Theater yes. Company, that's haunted as well. Yep, and we're going to take a tour yeah. that night and talk about it yeah. on October 30th, I think. Yeah. So there's a... So stay tuned. We might, we might see one at the theater company. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, encounter a ghost or a spook that I didn't make up in my own head. It yeah. just hasn't happened yet. I did though, my first house when I moved to Bangor though, I do once remember hearing children running upstairs um, when there were no kids in the house. So that could have been something. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Again, just uh, being a fan of horror and my improv show utilizes true scary stories that we improvise off of. It's always great to have a story like that. And if you're ever in New York and we're performing one, go ahead and tell me something. Uh, we'll put you up on stage for a couple of minutes and then make something funny out of it. <laughs> because uh, like you said, Jamie, running away without checking something out, that's good self-preservation. Figure it out later. Now I would I check it. I check it. Uh, I'm the checker. Yeah, she's the one that won't survive. <laughs> no, no, you, you need to watch more movies. Don't do that. <laughs> Go and figure it out later. Um, I actually told Jamie this story before the tour started uh, about the first time I read it. Uh, and if you're listening to this episode when it drops, uh, I'll just plug it now. We have a show at Young Ethel's at five o'clock, and I'll be telling this story on stage. Um, I'm reading it for the first time, but the light in my bedroom is broken. Uh, electrician hasn't come to fix it yet. So I'm reading it in my living room. 
my father had had his first heart attack and someone gave him a little clown figurine. It's like a get well gift and it's standing on a base with some candy in it. So I'm, I'm reading it and I'm looking at the clown and the clown's looking at me, <laughs> reading it, looking at the clown, clown's looking at me and I'm feeling uneasy. My sister comes downstairs to get a drink or something. And I say, do me a favor, just, just move, put the clown where I can't see it. She picks it up and takes it into the kitchen, gets her beverage, goes upstairs and I'm back to reading it. And a few minutes go by and suddenly there's a tinkle of music coming obviously from the kitchen and the clown. And I'm like, no, several minutes have passed. This is unusual. So I just slammed my bookmark into the book, threw it on the coffee table, grabbed my keys and leather jacket and got out of the house and went to a movie instead. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that would make uh, Pennywise my nemesis for going on over 30 years now. Do you have an antagonist in his stories that uh, you dislike most or are most afraid of? I gotta tell you, one that one that I dislike the most is Brady Hartsfield. Because that's not supernatural. That's just a terrible human being. And and which story is that? Brady Hartsfield is the bad guy in Mr. Mercedes. Yes, thank you. The ice cream truck, which is creepy, creepy. He's just a horrible human being. So I don't like him because like that could happen. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not some supernatural bad guy. That's not some shape shifting clown. That's just a shitty human being. Mm-hmm. And and the reality in some of these stuff of actually just bad people is what gets me because I can see that more clearly than anything else. And if I recall correctly, at the end of that book, he targeted a a, a boy band concert yes. for some of his mayhem. Yeah. Wow. for the same reason it's this is this is real stuff this is not supernatural stuff you can imagine uh this person living next door you don't you don't you know you don't talk too much so you don't know what they're really up to and then you just come to find out that they're an absolute whack job yeah and that's but but that's the origin of a lot of steve's work small town people you don't know what's going on on the other side of those doors you don't know who these people really are and sooner or later they come and get you. Now that's, I mean, that's Salem's Lot. That's Needful Things. That's Under the Dome. Uh, it, and I think that's what Steve really excels at is, you know, there is a supernatural element, but there's also just people being bad people, and those are the ones that always get me. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Um, you've mentioned Joe Hill earlier. Uh, got to meet him at a couple signings, and I am a fan. Um, are you fans of his writing as well? Yes, yes. He signed my arm and I got it tattooed on. Nice. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah, I I like uh I love Heart Shaped Box. Uh only but, uh, part of it was because I didn't know who Joe Hill was. I didn't know who he was. I just had this fantastic story. And I think you had the same thing with horns. Horns. Right? I grabbed horns out of uh it was a paperback. I grabbed it out of one of those. 50 cent bins at the grocery store 
And I said, oh, this looks like a good read. I loved it. And I even loved the movie. I thought Daniel Radcliffe was. Yes, that was fun. It was such a departure. I yeah. was so excited for him to be doing something that wasn't Harry Potter. I yeah. loved it. Loved it. Yeah. That That is a good surprise when you when you take a chance and go, oh, that's who this is. Yeah, I had I didn't know who yeah. it was. I just yeah. said horns. I thought that looks good. Yeah. yeah. And I same. loved Heart Shaped Box. I think if anyone who is thinking of reading Joe Hill, uh start at the beginning with, with Heart Shaped Box. I, I think it's a great book and definitely worth your time. Um, absolutely agree. The concept of buying a haunted suit online is uh is a wonderful one. And then adding the all the rock and roll aspect uh to it uh just kicks it up a notch uh trigger warning for some of our fans and my co-host who's usually on here with me um some people like to know uh if if the the dogs make it out okay and in this one not so much but they're very essential to the story <laughs> and, and 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 very good dogs on top of that um so in recent history not having uh, with changing careers from you know working in the mailroom of a bank to uh, working on set. I don't have a job where I can just sit around and read a lot during downtime anymore. So I've slipped in in recent King novels. So for someone like myself, that the last modern one I read uh, was Revival. Even though I have Outsider and If It Bleeds in Piles, and I'll get to eventually. What would you recommend of his more modern work that that I have to go out and buy soon um, as you turn around and look at your shelf? Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking here. I'm looking like we have them basically in order. Um man, I don't know. I love the Institute. Billy Summers, Billy Summers. Billy Summers is good, and it's got some good uh, Easter eggs to some other stuff. Ooh, uh, I like those. Uh, I don't know. I, for for someone reading something modern, uh, I'd say the Bill Hodges trilogy, which is Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch, and then go right into The Outsider and If It Bleeds, because If okay. It Bleeds is a collection of four novellas. One of them is uh, the Life of Chuck, which Mike Flanagan has optioned to make into a film, and it's going to start Tom Hiddleston and Mark Hamill. Uh, if It Bleeds is a Holly Gibney story, which is important, because the next book coming out September 5th is Holly. Holly Gibney gets her own book. So if you wanted to kind of jump back into the current stuff, I'd do Bill Hodges' trilogy and then The Outsider, If It Bleeds, and then grab that Holly book when it comes out next month. Yeah, I, I I haven't read End of Watch, and thank you for reminding me of that. So I did enjoy Mr. Mercedes, and I did read Finders Keepers, and then off I went. Also, I've noticed uh, uh, Rona has affected my ability to focus on books, oh, yeah. and I'm going to blame my phone a lot as well, because prior, <laughs> prior, prior to working in production, I didn't own a cell phone. I never wanted one. I wanted he never owned a cell phone to be my epitaph. <laughs> and now I have one and I do a podcast. So technology got me. It's yeah. unavoidable. I had a I had a flip phone. I probably had the last flip phone in, in existence until I started teaching. And then I found out my students don't answer phones. You have to text them. 
So I, I was I was drag kicking and screaming into modern technology as well. It'll get us all. Which brings me to one of it's not as modern, uh, but a book like Cell, I thought was great when it came out. But I feel bad. I know there was a movie made by it, but I feel like when it was made, the technology of cell phones had advanced so much that by the time the movie came out, the idea was practically obsolete already. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, technology is moving faster than you can even make a film. I mean, from the production of a film all the way into the editing, editing and, and it getting into into a theater, even in the best of concepts, there's going to be three versions of a phone between now and then. The camera's going to get better. The, everything's going to improve. And and like the apps will have changed. And, and staying current in book-to-film adaptions can't be easy. It can't be easy. Uh, certainly not, but, uh, and not everybody uh, I think has the King ethos. Uh, I loved in the miniseries when Bill Darrow says the line of, if someone's going to butcher my script, it may as well, or butcher my novel, it may as well be me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Another wonderful thing about the, the tour is where we all start in that little house there, which has memorabilia and little uh, hints, souvenirs, of course, and uh, things to spot for the eagle-eyed among us. Do you have a favorite item uh, in there of yours? Well, I try to be as authentic as possible. So there are a few things there are a few things I really love because of the lengths and the time I went to to acquire them. Um, for example, the typewriter that's used in misery, not the real one, I could never afford that. But I hunted down and did a lot of research to figure out what the exact make and model was. And that took me a couple of years to narrow it down to a year and a brand. And um, I was able to find uh, the exact make and model in Massachusetts for $85. So Jamie and I must have spent 300 <laughs> more than that in hotels and gas and food yeah. just to go get this $8,500 this $85 typewriter um but it's as accurate as it gets um it took me a long time is, is to... the end broken on it not yet <laughs> huh not yet yes well I have this is a typewriter repair guy in town who's anxious to fix it for me and as soon as the season is over I'm going to employ him to make all these things happen and then I searched long and hard for a Mr. Jingles. Um, I wanted a taxidermied mouse, um, but you can't find taxidermied mice that aren't dressed up in costumes or hanging off of stripper poles or holding, you know, birthday candles. So finding a simple taxidermied mouse was a lot of fun. Uh, what else have we done? Uh, I, I did not notice Mr. Jingles when I was in there. Yeah, yeah he's in the he's in the front case. I. You know, I think one of my favorite things in the shop, and I've got so many of them because I love what my wife has done in there. We my have, wife is we wonderful. have, we have to, we're hoping to, um, in the summertime, it's really too hard. We're just, just too busy to keep up. But in the winter, during our down periods, I'm hoping to 
change out the Easter eggs or the fan service. And there should be new things. And, yeah. you know, I, I hope to make it evolve so people will keep coming back. Yeah. Uh, the the mural that you see on the tour of the Together Place was mm -hmm. painted by a guy named Liam Leading. Yeah. He's super talented. And when we just, when we found out when we finally bought the the building, we got settled in. We realized, well, this front room is going to be the shop, the part of the shop. We had him come and paint the windows, and all we told him was, we want something king related. We want crows because our mask our our thing, our brand is a crow because Randall Flag travels as a crow. We said we want crows, king re references, and go for it. And man, he did such a great job with the crows and the dark tower, and and I, I think he's just so talented that that he could do that. And and I love that. Uh, another thing I love in the shop is is a lady who makes she makes dolls. She takes these old porcelain dolls and she makes them into horror things kim's kids uh, kim's kids k-y-m-z k-y-d-z kim's kids uh and she made for us a carry doll yeah she got this old porcelain blonde doll and put a tiara on it and covered it in blood and and uh and i absolutely love that and the last one is a couple of years ago we gave a tour and people came by the house later and put a little they took this Cujo, yeah. the St. Bernard little tiny figurine and they butchered it and gave it a bloody mouth and all that and that's in the case as well. Those are those are some of my favorites. Uh, and I know people are so talented and I, I'm not in that way so I always appreciate what people do when they can make those things. Um, my, my favorite thing in the house uh, just looking up and seeing carved into the wood brooks was here and so was red yeah like, that was fun like, i think that was jamie i think that was your idea that was my idea but you had to do all the work yeah yeah that was fun but well, if you don't look up you will miss it so i appreciated that yeah we've even i hid a box of golf wax that uh you know bill denbro uses to make it so it's and it's been in the shop since june someone finally noticed it um last week maybe other people have but they didn't say anything so someone's finally noticed the gulf wax um i've ordered a jolly monkey um to come and i'm going to hide him somewhere and i think i'm going to start sticking more rats around and i just i as soon as we have downtime and i can get my creative juices flowing again i'm going to start cramming it full of more easter eggs i it's just that's the best part and every now and then someone go oh my god did you see there's the penguin for misery? That makes me feel good. It makes me happy. <laughs> I, I like the creative, uh, playful, almost prankster nature of of your 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 decorating. It's just like just put it there and walk away and then see what eagle-eyed person checks it out. Uh, exactly. sometimes the secret is the fun. And speaking of secrets. And, and and not going too into it, because you get into it a lot in your tour. Uh, you spoke about the, the charity that Kings do uh, throughout town. Very commendable, very respectable. Uh, but what I was unaware of uh, is that Stephen King bought the rock station in your town. Yep. <laughs> which I thought was fucking awesome. And uh, I have a part-time job at a comic book store and I mentioned it to the owner. And then I, I switched off from the Pandora radio and I, put on 
WKIT. And he was like, oh, pretty good mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they do a good job. So with, with King's attention and, and, and love for rock and roll, uh, do you have a favorite soundtrack or musical moment, uh, either from any of his books or films that kind of uh, ring out? Uh, I was just watching Stand By Me uh, oh yesterday. God. And when That's the boys yeah. are singing the theme song from Paladin, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the way they talk about uh, the magic of the the seven kids in the Losers Club. That yeah. these four boys, while not dealing with that anything supernatural, they are creating a, a magic that only youth can create, but can't be permanently contained amongst their their quartet of a tribe is there anything that sticks out i've got a lot of answers to that question because i love music uh okay uh you mentioned it the music in mr mercedes season one fantastic that music is fantastic uh the soundtrack for maximum overdrive thank you see i I, i'm like it's too obvious it's too obvious but that's exactly what i would say so good you can have an obvious favorite that's your opinion is your opinion it's all good i'll go obscure then okay i'll go loosely associated don't you say it i know what you're gonna say what i'm gonna say mike uh, flanagan's uh exactly midnight mass oh my god so much neil diamond and I love that. I loved yeah. Neil Diamond growing up. It just it gives me the shivers. Love it. Yeah. Now, yeah, and yes, we live together. We finish each other's sentences. But folks, if you have not watched Midnight Mass, you are missing out because Mike Flanagan is uh, a fantastic director. All he does lately is horror. I think it's all he's ever done is horror. And he did a show called Midnight Mass. It's one season. It's not by Stephen King. It's Basically, if you take Storm of the Century and Salem's Lot, you jam them together, you get Midnight Mass. It is a fantastic, surprising story with amazing acting in it. And that soundtrack is just fun to listen to. Uh, I absolutely love that one as well. So that's an obscure, loosely associated answer to your question. That's a very succinct description of Midnight Mass, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, Storm of the Century, I also feel very underrated. When I recently saw it was all on Hulu, I'm like, I haven't watched this in a while. Yeah. Uh, let's check it out. I will admit, not that I interacted with a lot of people uh, on my first visit to Maine, I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't hear a lot of the Maine accent when I was there. I was, <laughs> I was hoping for a little more, sometimes dead is better, but I didn't yeah. get that. <laughs> I that accent really is coastal. It's fishermen. They sound that way, right? I mean, yeah. that's what I think. If you you yeah. know you go to the coast and you find the guys, you know the lobstermen and the fishermen, that's it. You'll just it's thick, it's heavy. Sometimes you can't even understand them. Uh, but yeah, in town, not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sorry about you, that. As you know, in Astoria, not everybody talks like Archie Bunker in Queens either. Yep. You mentioned Mike Flanagan, uh, and I think uh, the along with all of the great work he's done, uh, his adaptation of Doctor Sleep 
is so phenomenal because not a lot of people can serve two masters at once. Yeah. And I think he did so brilliantly in uh, doing something that would make Stephen King proud and happy, but also honoring the classic Kubrick film of The Shining and changing the ending so it fit. Because I love The Shining, but I agree with everything that Stephen King dislikes about The Shining as a film. Yeah. He's not wrong. I still like it anyway. Uh, what did you think of Dr. Sleep? I love Dr. Sleep. And yeah, I was surprised uh, that you could put the two together and still have a job. Because <laughs> he could easily have been sent packing the minute he said, hey, let's do some Kubrick stuff. But I, I think he did a great job of uh, talking about some very important stuff and showing some important things of putting the Kubrick stuff together about uh, about telling a story of the true knot and but also some very important stuff in there in both Steve and Mike's life is I talk about sobriety and and it, it can't be easy to get all that together and I think the fact that he did it in a movie and not in a full series is commendable. He had to really work to get all that into a movie instead of working in the series format that he's probably better known for. Agreed. I've yet to watch the director's cut of Dr. Sleep, uh, but I've heard it's fantastic and it's really rare that a, a three hour plus movie is recommended more than an edited down two and a half yeah. hour movie. Uh, so as you kind of sort of come in for a landing, do you have a favorite adaptation, either TV or movie, of King's work? That uh, I know there's always changes. Some of them uh, piss people off. I remember when Apt Pupil came out, oh, uh, yeah. there was yeah. a questionnaire given out by the studio. Uh, and I think amongst my friends at Tower Records that were given passes to the screening, I had been the only one that read it. I was looking forward to watching it. And I filled out the questions before the movie. And then they had a section for after. And all of my friends are leaving. And I'm writing why I'm very angry at this adaptation. <laughs> I don't remember why, because uh, I'm so far removed. Uh, and I recently rewatched it and I wasn't as mad, but I, I, I was somewhat infuriated and by no fault of the performances, uh, just something about it didn't sit right with me. But uh, we were talking about the stuff that we like as opposed to stuff that we don't. <laughs> I, I'm pretty smooth brained about it. I just want to, I'm just happy to be entertained. I'm impressed with people that can dissect a movie and recognize one director over another just by watching a scene. Um, when people ask me, what's my favorite book? I usually say the last one I read. Um, so as far as movie adaptations, my favorite, Movie or, or show? Or show? Yeah. Holy cow. No, I'm gonna let you answer that because there's too many. I, I'm I there's too many. I I'm I loved The Shining. I loved Maximum Overdrive. I loved that pupil. I I guess I am willing to digest whatever I'm being handed, you know, and if and, and if it strays from the story, that's fine with me because I don't expect any movie to stick to the story. Yeah. I'm yeah. yeah, how can you? The stories are always better. So yeah. I'm a little more forgiving. You know, easy to please, simple. 
I, I, my answer would change based on the weather and the day. Uh, I love Mr. Mercedes season one. I also love uh, The Outsider on HBO. Mm. They made changes to Holly Gibney, but that show is fantastic. And even though they made rather particular changes to Holly Gibney, they stuck with the story and it is a fantastic series. But if you ask me today on a sunny day, that's a creep show too. Really? Creep show too. Why? Because it was filmed here. It's here. Well, the Hitchhiker was. The Hitchhiker was filmed here. And the opening was done in Dexter. And in in the uh, Venus Flytrap, that's our house. I mean, and, and I love the original creep show, this combination, this Romero-Stephen King match of comedy and camp and the comics. I don't know. I, I just... What do you think my think favorite is? Good old-fashioned fun. Um, What do I think your favorite is? Yours is probably Dreamcatcher. Just because <laughs> you want to defend it all the time, and I don't. That's another one. I love Dreamcatcher. I don't care. And every time someone says they love Dreamcatcher on one of his tours, he has to give me a dollar. I have three dollars. <laughs> you thought, so you've made three dollars. I made three dollars. I Dreamcatcher was it's not my favorite, but I still love the movie, and you can't talk me out of it. It's equal parts gruesome and hysterically funny. And I have the sense of humor of a 13-year-old boy. It's I love it. Um, that toilet scene, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I can't can't help it. You love what you love and you shouldn't make excuses about it. I think he I gets got... to be he gets to be cerebral and I get to just, you know have bathroom humor. Have bathroom bathroom humor. There you go. I think my favorite has to be the myth. Uh yeah. I regret never seeing it in theaters so far. Uh, because I wasn't sure what I was getting into, watched it at home and went, I made a poor decision. <laughs> I don't have a contingency plan for giant interdimensional approaches. <laughs> I, I, I got not the, I don't know how to survive that. I just hope I'm not stuck in a supermarket with religious zealots. Uh, <laughs> but after your tour, uh, beautiful lady and I went back to our Airbnb and it was still raining and lots of lightning and we sat back and we watched Dolores Claiborne and we went, this has been a good trip. Yeah, so far. absolutely. Uh, and this has been a great conversation. I thank you both for joining me. Uh, so now will be the time where I turn it over for you and you let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to find you. Well, the best way to get us is on our website, sk-tours.com. That'll tell you all the tours we have available. Also keep an eye on our Facebook page. That's where most of the stuff happens, uh, where we announce things that are happening locally, uh, and if if something's happening, it's not ours, but it's still good for Bangor. We're going to try to put it out there to let people know what's going on. Uh, that's where most of the work happens, our Facebook page and our website. Yeah, we're not good at Instagram or tweeting. We're old. Um, uh, tonight we are going to see, it's the anniversary of Pet Cemetery. So nice. we're going to watch uh, Pet Cemetery at Mount Hope Cemetery. Um, this is being put together by the Bangor Historical Society. So we have a fantastic evening tonight that that sounds like a hell of a time and that is wonderful and i recommend to our listeners and myself if you find yourself in bangor book ahead because you never know tours might be sold out 
just when you get your your dates locked in, lock in your hotel, and then go to sk-tours.com, book it, find the time that works for you, uh, have a good time, enjoy the little stop at the rest stop. Uh, if you're not from Maine, you don't have to try Moxie, which is kind of like <laughs> a spicy tussin. <laughs> my girlfriend wanted to satisfy her curiosity and uh, I don't think it was satisfied but now we know uh, you can check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook for all the information about our shows like I said on the day this episode drops we are at Young Ethel's in Brooklyn at 5 o'clock it's a free show there's a two drink minimum we're going to make some scary funny it's a great time uh, Spooky Doings is on Instagram I'm at Rick Guzman 718 on Twitter uh jamie jennifer thank you for being on the show and uh, yeah, our door is always open for you if you want to come back and talk about stephen king anytime or yeah. got any events that you want to plug uh yeah. if uh i don't know if, if tom savini's coming by for coffee and you want people to know about it let uh -huh. us know we'll do another episode we do stuff uh with the george a romero foundation uh, and uh, and have some ties with them. I'm going to tell Suzanne, uh, George's widow, if she's up uh, up in, in Bangor, stop on by. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for all our friends out there uh, that are listening, as I said, uh, Rona ain't over yet. So in the meantime, stay good, stay healthy, and stay spooky. Until next time.